Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone. I cannot wait for you to hear this incredible episode with Kelly Newland, the founder of RAD, Real Athlete Diets. But before I do, I want to remind you about the giveaway we're doing with three very cool brands and one very cool pro athlete. So this is all coming together so perfectly because of today's episode. Um, If you recall, we are giving away Kat Bradley's favorite breakfast. Kat Bradley is the most recent winner of the Western States 100 mile. She's a rock star. And her favorite breakfast is Frosted, which is natural coconut oil snack frosting. We're giving away two jars of Frosted and a big old bowl of rad granola and just so you don't have to eat it naked, I'm going to toss in 50 bucks to Skirt Sports. So all you have to do is go over to the Skirt Sports Facebook page, scroll to the post from July 8th, it's down there a ways, and tag a friend who always skips breakfast. So far, 65 people have entered, so you still have a shot, but it's going to get tight here. Cat uh, will choose the winner on August 31st. That's it. All right, on to today's guest. I first met Kelly Newland when she was running a food truck in Boulder called Street Chefs. I literally wandered out of my office one day in Gun Barrel, and there it was. And I can't remember what I got, but it was delicious. And I know this because every time I've ever tasted a bite of food prepared by Kelly, it has always been nothing short of delicious. By the way, Rad Real Athlete Diets literally launched their very first event at Skirt Sports many years ago. So we've got a lot of history here with food. So I went into this interview with three topics I wanted to cover. I wanted to hit on Kelly's running background and the fact that she has run many marathons and ultra marathons to date. I wanted to hit on Kelly's uh, chefery. Well, okay. Chefing, I don't know, I just made those words up. But basically, I want to talk about how and why she became a chef. And finally, I wanted to talk about food. Because as an athlete, an ultra runner, an endurance athlete, and a chef, I figured she could give us tons of insider info into the world of nutrition for athletes, especially since her amazing company is called Real Athlete Diets. But, so... (laughs) The interview took a very different track pretty early on. And so basically, as we delved into how Kelly became who she is, a very intense and important part of her background emerged. You see, Kelly was a longtime victim of domestic abuse in her previous relationship. I'm so proud of Kelly for being open and vulnerable Please have an open heart and an open mind as you listen. I certainly opened mine as we went along. 
Um, if anyone listening is going through domestic abuse, please reach out to me or Kelly. We will help you find the right resource to take your next step. And yes, <laughs> even though we went through this difficult subject, we still managed to talk about running, chefing, and food. <laughs> and that's why this episode is over an hour long. So everyone, with that, let's bring Kelly on. I'm ready. Ready, ready. Cool. So thanks for coming on the show, Kelly. You're welcome. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was a little nervous. Really? Why were you nervous? I don't know. I got, You know what? I started thinking about the first time I ever met you. And I was sort of paralyzed. Like but was I, it with with, uh, with your food truck? It was. Yeah. yeah. So wait, you were. Isn't that funny? Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, I remember when. Well, we got to go through all this awesome history. But um, I'm wearing my kale shirt today because you taught me about how scandalous it is to massage kale. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It sounds very scandalous. Yeah. It is. Well, so what's funny is maybe you were paralyzed then, but today you pulled up and I opened the door in my capris and bra and <laughs> Tim was walking out with Wilder and I was like, Kelly, come on in. I'm taking a shower. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. We, we've, we've got some history in order to be yes. able to do that. <laughs> right, right. So um, I'm really, you know, you have a lot of layers and people need to know and understand why you are in this world and the cool things you're doing. And so this interview is gonna take us up, down, and all around. I have all these sections and they don't even seem to connect half the time. So let me just ask you right off the bat, is anything off the table, Kelly? No, no, there's nothing off the table. There's no, uh, there wasn't a, an off the record discussion beforehand, um, <laughs> which is, is funny. Morgan and I are in a, an adventure book club in Boulder, which is so cool. Um, it's, it's really a, a pretty neat, uh, the list of, of folks in the book club is really neat, but we often have off the record discussions and, uh, yeah. No, so nothing's off the, so off wait, the record. They, we can talk about anything today. <laughs> this is a really intriguing and adventure book club <laughs> with off-the-record discussions. So are they like filming and recording the club? And at certain points, you have to be like, hit pause. We're going to talk about something scandalous like massaging kale. No, no, but it's, you know, it's filled with journalists and filmmakers. And so at any given time, one of us might be working on a book or an article for outside magazine or literally the New York Times not me I'm you know just cooking something up but I might have information that I don't want that might to me just be you know some part of someone's life story that I don't feel comfortable sharing like you know what I mean it's not yeah. my story yeah so I throw it out there off the record uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah I just I try to be respectful of that and if someone else is like hey I'm working on this piece do you know anything about the history of this so it's really interesting you know we've got so much cool stuff going on in Boulder I know we do yeah. and you know you just said a word <clears throat> respect and I think mm -hmm. this is like possibly going to be a theme today throughout our interview because it's something I feel so strongly that you embody and a message that you're constantly getting out there in the world through social media and other good platforms, you know, is like, mm. hey, it's about respect, people. So let's uh, let's dig in a little bit here to, since we're, gosh, where do we start? 
let's talk a little bit about let's start with some food okay i wrote down this this word called chefing is it a <laughs> verb <laughs> to be chefing like this is what you do by trade Right. right. You're a classically trained chef. You already mentioned that you were teaching at a school out here in Boulder. So how and why does one decide that they want to handle food for a living? Hmm. Hmm. I was five. I was five years old <laughs> when I decided two things. Um, that I wanted to be a runner and that I wanted to be a chef. And I don't know. I just felt it in my bones. But, you know, we didn't have Master Chef and the kids Master Chef and all that. Like, how did you even know what a chef was? <laughs> I know. You know, I watch that stuff. Like, I'll see a commercial and I'm like, what in the world is going on? Um, we don't watch food TV at home. I, I have to escape it, right? Because it's it's my career and, you know, you got to eat. So if we watched it at home, I would never escape it. So um, I, I don't know. You know, the first thing I ever made was uh, a truffle, chocolate truffles. And it was, for some reason, I had pulled a container of Hershey's cocoa, which was, you know, not the highest quality of cocoa around, but uh, probably like the most common, I would imagine, brand in the U.S. at the time, uh, and there was a recipe on the back of this box for Hershey's chocolate truffles, so I made truffles, and then... How old were you? I was five years old. Wait, you could read? <laughs> I, I have a five-year-old, and she she wants to be a princess or a queen. I did not want to be a princess or a queen. <laughs> I was, like, climbing trees, and I had this cool boy's bike that was, like, green and yellow. Oh, man, you were cool. Uh, I don't wow. I don't remember if anyone helped me, but I remember tasting that and thinking that was the most amazing thing ever. Did anyone else like them? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if I shared them, but I was just, I was, I had proclaimed I was going, this is it. I'm going to be a yeah. chef. Um, and there was also a period of time that in that same year that I ran my first uh, race on a cinder track in Reese Puffer Elementary School in uh, Muskegon, Michigan. And I said, oh, that's it. I'm going to be a runner. So why? What did that run make you feel? Uh, just alive. I just ran as fast as I could. And you know, running on, you've run on a cinder track, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah, back in the day. Right? And you fall and tear oh, your skin oh, up, and it's, it's just like this disgusting. raw, yeah. icky. Yeah. But it, I just was, I remember hearing the cinders and feeling them and the smell, and I was like, this is it. Like, this is where wow. I'm, to, that's, I'm doing this. So you grew up in the Midwest, right? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indiana? Mm-hmm. Michigan and Indiana, primarily Indiana, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm from Chicago, so we know all the nice people come come (laughs) from the Midwest, and then we land here. Um, So you knew so young, right, that Mm -hmm. you were being called both uh, emotionally to uh, food, right, and to some kind of delight that you got out of that. And you were also being called physically to this thing that I guess maybe it makes sense. 
you move your body to offset the amount of calories that you're taking in as you create these awesome, delicious, you know, recipes. Right. I, I don't know. There had to be some connection, right? <laughs> well, at five, you probably don't realize because we, our metabolisms are a little different. Of but, course. You know, I've often wondered how people in your business don't become completely obese Mm -hmm. you know you're all you do is stand around cooking and then eating i imagine all the chefs just sit around eating all the amazing food they make so break that down for me how wrong am i (laughs) um there definitely are those that do so uh i i don't know i was always really fortunate to work um in kitchens that were very like most kitchens are very fast-paced but I also worked in really oh I just I worked I was really fortunate to work around people who took care of me and were the first restaurant I ever worked in was owned and operated by Culinary Institute of America graduates so to me that was the only school that existed the CIA in Hyde Park New York so there was a standard set so there wasn't a lot of standing around you didn't stand around and eat you you just didn't stand around period so it was non-stop um, I'm really ADD and um, I am naturally kind of a high hyper sort of person and I was also running a lot so to me I really thrived on that mm-hmm. um, so there was constantly tasting as you cooked, but you we did not stand around. Um, if you wanted to keep your job, you didn't because you that you know that wasn't a, the proper work ethic. Uh, I was also raised in a Ukrainian household, so I work ethic was you know at five years old you were scrubbing toilets. So, <laughs> oh, so you had chores, but you didn't get money to do them. Oh no. <laughs> you just scrub. Yeah. So to me, you know, that constant movement in the kitchen for a lot of people is really an uneasy sort of um, uncomfortable kind of chaos. But to me, it was a calming sort of chaos because it was, you know, in, in our house, we were always moving. You know, it was a constant. You didn't sit down at my house. So <laughs> the so- kitchen to me was very similar. It was parallel. And, you know, we skipped a lot here. I mean, I kind of fast forwarded to culinary school, but the truth is, you know, at five, you have this revelation mm-hmm. and it's amazing. And it, it just sat in your subconscious. Yeah. As you, as you grew up. Yeah. And, um, did you end up pursuing running or, you know, this career path to becoming a chef through school age or did you wait like lead me down the paths of each let's 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 just do it um yeah you know you had mentioned food tv and you know the the food network and uh i don't even know what other there's so many different food programs on right now those did not exist but one of the the chores i did do on saturday as a kid was uh dusting and cleaning the family room and that sort of thing so I don't know if you remember watching like Yen Can Cook and the Galloping Gourmet or Julia Child. Those that were all on. That I do remember. Right? Mm-hmm. On Saturdays. So I would I would just kind of dust the same area over and over again so I could watch, you know, Julia Child, you know, <laughs> at the age of like seven and eight years old. She's mesmerizing. Absolutely. And and it was 
PBS, you know, it was just all public television and I would just watch them. Uh, so it really just kind of fueled that passion even more. Um, and my mom was also a big Olympic fan. So I grew up in, I'm sure like you, um, or I'm assuming anyway, an Olympic household. Like when the Olympics were on, we watched every sport. I mean, Greg Louganis, remember when he hit his oh head on gosh. that diving board? Yes. And, you Amazing. Know, uh, everything, every single sport. So, I mean, if you're ever in the cash cab and you need someone to call for, <laughs> you get an Olympic question, I'm your girl. Um, so I grew up watching Olympic sports and track and field and um I wasn't a big football, baseball, basketball fan, but I would watch cycling. Like I remember watching the 7-Eleven team cycling when I was a kid. So wow. track and field and uh, I, I, so I kept running. I, I, yeah, at the age of five, I was, I was going to be a chef and a runner and that's what I did. I started running AAU. I went, um, we moved from Michigan to Indiana and we somehow fell into <clears throat> this school in indiana where every day at recess we would run really I, yeah like i have you were no required idea or you just no did we had there were there was one teacher in particular that who was just like hey we're gonna run sprints every single day at recess and i was like game on so this is awesome i'm you, gonna <laughs> and you hear from a lot of people though that that makes them hate running but you had the opposite approach were you talented like what was it that had you that that made you embrace this thing that many people consider punishment. Yeah, I you know I was, and I have no idea how that happened. I did not come from a family of runners, um, but I loved it, and I could not get enough. Um, my dad would ride his bike with me <laughs> after school. I would run around the neighborhood. My dad w- would run with me for a while until he could not keep up with me. <laughs> so, you know, he's a what you know whatever forty year old hey, man running yeah. with his high school kid, yeah. you know, junior high kid and um then he would ride his bike with me and then um I ran in junior high high school and I just loved it I couldn't get enough of it um and I was a sprinter then so you know and once you when, when I went to culinary school um you know just going sprinting down the street is kind of a little odd so I started running <laughs> I did a little cross country in high school, in junior high, but it just didn't light my fire. Um, But when I went to culinary school in Hyde Park, New York, there were tons of trails and it was so beautiful. Um, I started running trails there and I loved it. And I was also at a point in my life where I was just really trying to find myself as a person. So I would just kind of get lost out there. And that's when I started running distance more. Because it allowed your mind to open up and help you figure out who you were and what you wanted? Yeah, absolutely, I think so. You know, just sort of organically happened that mm-hmm. way. And um, so, but why, yeah. why, and why were you at a point in your life where you were trying to figure out who you were? What were you grappling with? Mm, you know, I had, oh, that's a very good question um I did not I didn't get along you know like most most teenage kids um 
I, I didn't feel like I fit in well at home. I didn't get along with my parents. Um, I always rocked the boat. I didn't, uh, I wasn't cool walking on eggshells to make other people happy. So I always poked the bear. So wait, you you walked on eggshells or you didn't? I did not. I was not cool with that. So I refused to do so. So, you know, I was the one that mm-hmm. was like, not. I'm not going to play that game. I'm not cool with it. I'm not going to be quiet just because it makes things, keeps things placid. So, so how, yeah. at a young age to realize that, that's um pretty unique. So how how did you reach that point? How did were you just born that way? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we I went, think so, which is probably another reason I was drawn to running. You know, because it allowed me to get that angst out. Mm, you know, yeah. otherwise, if you keep it in, you're just ugh, it's just yuck. Um, any chance that I could get to get into a, just a wide open field and run as fast as I could just felt so good. So you know? did your running evolve? So you went to a culinary school right after high school? Um, no, a couple years after that. Okay. I, I went to Purdue and cool. while I was still mm-hmm. working in a restaurant, um, I couldn't get enough of food or running. So... I just did both. You know, when I hear kids say, oh, gosh, it's so hard. I don't think I can work and do school. I I felt like there just weren't enough hours in the day to do both. Yep. And when I was in culinary school, the owners of the restaurant that I was working for in Indiana would actually fly me home on holidays to work. So my parents, I was home on holidays, but my parents were (laughs) really never saw me because I was being flown home to work. Wow. Which was really That's wonderful. freaking impressive. I was really grateful that they wow. did that. And I was also really, really happy to have, you know, that money <laughs> and to work. Like, I just, people are like, oh, you went home to work. I'm like, but I loved it. Like, I couldn't get enough of it. So you're a work-to-live kind of person. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if something is really exciting and passionate or is it the opposite way it's live to work that's what it is and it doesn't it didn't and doesn't feel like work to me you know when I feel like oh I'm I'm really starting to feel overworked I absolutely step away so what are those for people listening what are the signs of feeling overworked I get panicky I really do I get uh, I will go 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 to the point where I am on my knees and that is so not good it's like a work okay. bonk. Yeah. And you as a as a runner and and we're as we're going to hear in a minute an ultra runner have I'm sure experienced many bonks. Is the yeah. is the work bonk similar? Is it physical in nature? It is, but I can deal with that. What I'm not good with is that for me is much easier to recover from than the mental. Mm. And it's because I have a really hard time getting back out of my head and recovering from that. Um, I think most people would be surprised to hear that I'm really an introvert at heart. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I really need that time to recharge. Yeah. And again, that's part of the reason we moved up to Jamestown. (laughs) I always joke with Morgan that I would live in a treehouse if left to my own devices. But yeah. For for those of you who don't know, Jamestown is kind of one of these little mountain towns. It's a few miles up one of our cool canyons. And it's kind of in the boonies. And 
It's got a restaurant, and that's about that's it. That's about <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. So running has had really kind of afforded, had really provided that for me. But when I went to culinary school, I really, I think it was really good for me to get away. I really needed that. Um, and I was just fighting some demons. Um, I, I hadn't realized it at the time, but I was just really struggling with some, uh, just a lot of stuff, you know, and I, I think distance running was a really just good prescription um let's talk about distance running then Mm -hmm. because you have done many many marathons but then and it says it in every bio you can find of kelly newland online you've run 700 milers yeah oh what (laughs) um so are you a fast runner are you winning these things are you out there for fun like what is the motivation behind this um it's funny you know when i was again as a, a kid as a sprinter i was fast uh, my dad, for some reason, sent me my high school letterman's jacket a, <laughs> a couple months ago, which was the best. adorable. And they have all the pins. And, I know, yeah. right? Oh, you gotta so keep those. cute. Um, and I'm pretty sure the sleeves were like at my elbows, but because uh, it was so teensy, I outgrew it like my freshman year and could never wear it again. Um, but as a distance runner, as a marathoner, I was like a 305 marathoner. So I was pretty solid. It's fast. Right? And it yeah. felt so good. Like to, to run that, you know, 26 miles, like hard, like, oh, it feels so good. So right? you, you know, you were racing a marathon. And like, did you ever have a perfect race? What was the best race you ever ran? Mm, you know, the Richmond Marathon in Virginia was probably my most quote-unquote perfect marathon that felt really solid and um, so why was it perfect though but the rest of my life was a shit show at the time <laughs> that's why <laughs> isn't wow. that so yeah, great like, it is knowing that and i say great because it led me to uh realize I needed more. I need to do an ultra. And when I trained for that ultra, um, I was like, okay, I need to get the rest of my life together because the miles to train during that ultra allowed me to get into my own head enough to be like, all right, let's get the rest of this life together here. This isn't okay. But what I loved about that marathon was I just felt so good and strong physically. It allowed me to be like, okay, now let's get the rest of your head together. Let's get your head together. So uh, how old were you? When was this? 33, 34? Okay. Yeah. That's and I'm a, 47 now. That's a perfect time for things to blow up. 15 <laughs> years ago, early 30s. Is that about right? Yeah. yeah. We're on the move. We're making change. Like, there's a lot going on at that age and stage. Yeah. And yeah. S- what was going on in your life? That's probably about the time. It might give or take a year, you know? Um, and I oddly, Morgan, my now husband, I knew him. He was sponsoring me in, as an athlete at the store that he managed. Oh, <laughs> what store was Isn't that? that? funny? Um, Blue Ridge Mountain Sports. Yeah, I remember that one. And mm-hmm. um, I think I'm pr- almost certain that that, that um, company is no longer in business now. But that's how I met Morgan. There was no scandal involved, just f- for those of you that are wondering out there. Um <laughs> 
but so you were in a different marriage or I relationship was, yeah and i was married to another chef at the time we were together 10 years but you know we got married young and uh you know there's patterns that you see that you're like well you know maybe that's because they're young or they're you don't realize things are addictions at the time and i was also you know, it's funny you have this shirt on now that says kale so my kind of medium at the time for cooking was i was a pastry chef so my focus was on chocolate mm-hmm. and now it's on kale um, but i worked in the middle of the night so i would go in at like one in the morning and i wouldn't get home until around one in the afternoon so i was missing my marriage because i wasn't present physically for a lot of it so my husband was at work when I was at home and vice versa. And before I knew it, and then even when I did know it, it was just too late, it was out of control. And there was a lot of addiction and abuse and um, yeah, and it was really difficult and hard to get out of. And when you talk about addiction, do you mean to the pattern or do you mean like literally to like no dose or, you know, alcohol or substances? Um, He was an alcoholic and um, uh, had just some emotional issues that made it not safe for me to be around. Mm, Yeah. And I want to be... I want to be respectful of that. He is no longer, um, he's not alive anymore. So, yeah, it's not just addiction, but mental health is really, I get it. I'm so understanding and compassionate to that, uh, which is why I do work with, kids in boulder yeah Yeah. that Mm -hmm. are recovering from that so um but it made it really hard uh so were you i gave that as much as i could possibly give that without giving my own life you were stable throughout but you you know you had to draw on your inner strength through this relationship Yeah, yeah she's nodding yes yeah, yeah, sorry. I forget you can't see me in a podcast. Yes, absolutely. And running, absolutely. You know, a lot of people are like, well, you're running away from your problems. And I could not disagree more with that. I absolutely ran through my problems. Uh, running kept me sane. And it also, you know, the, the friends that I ran with kept me healthy and I think I I made so many decisions on the trail and on the road. Um, I didn't run away from my problems. I I ran through them. Um, there yeah. are probably people listening who may be in abusive relationships or notice that there's a very negative pattern that is perpetuated even more by drugs or alcohol. Um, how did you how did you turn the switch it's very hard you have a 10-year relationship with this person who's probably a good person you know at at some point right right and um did someone tell you 
did you have a tough love conversation or what did running how did you take that first step or have that first hard conversation that's mm. you know where you looked at him and you said I'm done that's such a good question um you know I was just out I'd had that conversation with myself so many times and I wasn't ready, wasn't ready, wasn't ready until one day I just was. I came home from a really long run and at that point a really long run for me was, you know, 40, 50 mile training run and I sat down on the porch and no one else was home, it was just me and at the time, just to kind of explain the level of where that relationship was, I had a drop bag in my car with another set of ID and clothes and money because I, at any given time, needed to be able to leave. Okay. And I know that sounds very Lifetime movie, but I think that's probably really important for you to understand where yeah. where that was at. So I sat down on the porch and I took my shoes off and I saw that bag in the car and I was like, enough, this is just enough. This is what I need to do. So I went um, the next day to see my therapist, and I said, hey, I need, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. I need you to help me start making steps forward on how I can uh, basically start a getaway plan to start moving forward with this because I knew it wasn't going to just be one conversation, hey, I'm leaving, because that was not safe. So I needed a plan on how to start moving forward with that. And, and how was it? How do you do that? What you know? What it? Because I didn't think about it that way. That I know, right? You, you know, don't. It's when somebody is irrational or very driven by emotion, they can lash out and and hurt you or do other things. So, getting away from that situation, it takes more thought than I I guess I imagine. Right. It does. Um, it took. Uh, a little over a year of me slowly moving um, kind of necessities out of the house, um, also undetected, and uh, keeping them in one place. And then with the help of my therapist, this is not the podcast you thought it was going to be. This is it? like <laughs> really important, um, really important stuff. Yeah, it is. Um, it it took the help of a really amazing therapist to be like, hey, this is what we need to do to help say, safely prep my husband at the time of making sure he is also growing um, without him sort of knowing it. Um, so he can grow while you are safely kind of moving forward to the point where it kind of peaks at the same time so you can leave, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, there's just every case has got to be so unique. Yeah. Did you have friends or family who were aware of what was going on in your life? I did, yeah. I had... Um, Oddly, my brother-in-law at the time was an ATF officer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I am forever grateful to him and my sister for helping me through every single step of that. And the 
restaurant I was working at was owned by it's a, a really wonderful family and they allowed me to store some things in their basement at the restaurant and yeah so you're now in your early 30s mid 30s at and, that time yeah yeah and you have finally extricated yourself from a really negative scary draining life-threatening relationship yes you got out yeah and not unscathed i take it at least emotionally maybe physically yeah i still have or morgan my husband is a saint well we're going to talk about him in a minute too. i still have some pretty good ptsd um but yes that has absolutely yeah absolutely uh, mm-hmm. So how do you move forward to redefine who you are? Because when you're in a relationship like that, even though it's a negative identification, that's who you become, somewhat of a victim or I don't know exactly how you defined yourself, but here you are with you know, an opportunity to sort of start over. How do you do right. that? Uh, you know... I I did not want to be, I didn't want to be this person that was just in the fetal position in the corner. Um, that's never been who I am. So I I didn't want it to define me. And I've always been this sort of pain in the ass, fist in the air sort of person. So <laughs> that's what I wanted. I did not want to go through all of that fight and be this feeble person um I fought way too hard for that so I just I just wanted to be free and I wanted to stand tall and just walk with my head up and just and you did yeah that's what I was gonna do and I wanted I just wanted that that's what I was gonna do so did you focus on career then I didn't I focused on just me I did that is so cool you know I left clothes in the closet I had a mason jar of change in my crappy old pickup truck i took i left everything except my great dane and two cats and i was so thrilled with that and happy that's all i wanted (laughs) and that's what i did and then thank god i was working in a restaurant because i could eat and i fed them and i was thrilled and you know running is cheap as long as you have running shoes that's true um and a good sports bra yes that's right (laughs) um but yeah that's that's what I wanted so that's what I focused on and um the being so happy with being away from that and being safe was enough everything else I just knew would fall into place like there was nothing better than the feeling of being safe I didn't even think about what else I was going to focus on because I was safe. Like I didn't, didn't really even come to my mind. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It. I can almost feel the liberation of that final separation. Yeah. And then you getting to a place where you felt safe. Yeah. Safe is an important word. I Absolutely. think through our entire lives. I mean, we talked about you as a five-year-old girl. I have a five-year-old girl. I want her to feel safe right? in so many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, so let's talk. A, this is really important, like I said before, and I so appreciate you opening up. And for anyone listening who 
who might be in a place where you need to get some help or you haven't told people that you're struggling in a relationship or a situation that you need to extricate yourself, um, please reach out. Reach out to me through the podcast. Kelly, I'm sure, will be open and willing to share resources um, because you're not alone. That's the whole point. And so thank you for being open and vulnerable. I had no idea. You're welcome. Um, yeah, you thought this was going to be about food. I mean, I definitely <laughs> still want to talk about food, but this is way more important than food. You know, you we're talking about relationships. You now have this beautiful business that you started with your husband, Morgan, who mm-hmm. I know. And um, and he is an amazing guy. He is. I'm let's, so lucky. Let's talk about RAD. Okay. Tell me about RAD. What does RAD stand for? <laughs> RAD stands for Real Athlete Diets. And uh, I, you know, when I... The five minutes that I like whirlwind that I proposed this business to Morgan, uh, he was always saying the word rad. So I wanted him to be my business partner. So I was like, I have to come up with some sort of hook. So he will say yes to this or at least bait him a little bit more. And I was washing dishes and I just sort of blurted out, oh, and the name of the business is going to be called Rad, Real Athlete Diets. So it happened in a you know millisecond but so that's how the name came out but uh so wait why did you want morgan to be your business partner a lot of people shy away from working with their spouses for whatever reason uh you know he's my favorite person (laughs) you know i i laugh at that question when people ask um if you could have dinner with anyone in the world who would it be and everyone comes up with these funny answers or you know I don't know, Madonna or Jesus or... They're trying to think too hard. I, my answer is always my husband. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always be that. Well, now, it's, now it's me because you're on my list. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's the person that I trust the most. He's absolutely the person that I feel the safest with. Um, he always puts up with my shenanigans so I figured that was a safe bet uh but yeah we you know we have a good time together um yeah it just seemed like uh the most I don't know it just seemed like the the most organic yes to me it just felt right yeah and you didn't want to do it alone no I didn't because prior to this we mentioned in the very beginning you had a food truck and you've worked yeah. in restaurants and right. you know you've you've taught you've been a professor at you know culinary schools mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff um when you was street so let's talk about your business before rad mm-hmm. what was it the food truck business street chefs yeah mm-hmm. so um and that was with um that was a really cool airstream 23 foot airstream named rosie i remember it i didn't know it had a name (laughs) (laughs) i think only our team did but that's okay um she was so beautiful i miss that little truck um yeah that was a kind of a team effort with josea rosenberg and laura rice and 
it was, you know, when food trucks really first started in Boulder. So there were like no laws yet. Nobody really knew what to do with food trucks. That's a and good it was point. you guys would just roll up and people would run out. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It was so funny. But and you did that with partners as well though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a really cool uh endeavor. And you know, our our plan was let's see what happens if you know a b and c doesn't happen within a year then we pull the plug and you know boulder isn't large enough to sustain like one business like a a company to have more than one food truck of the same kind and that was what we were really looking for so yeah but it was really fun i I love that little company it was neat and and we got to meet and you made right. delicious food. Thank you. So <laughs> so this folded and you were like, okay, now I'm on to the next. What am I gonna do? And then rad, like you just explained the process, right? Right. Um, I got what happened right after Street Chefs. I received a phone call from uh, a culinary school in town, and they asked me to teach. So I, that's what I did, and. I was driving home from teaching one day and I had a friend who was training for an Ironman and called and said, hey, can you feed me? I know you're doing some contract work. Can you feed me while I train for this race? Blah, blah, blah. Like his or her in, you know, during race food or training food for like the months leading up so they didn't have to think about it? Yes, training food during the training months. Okay. So they didn't have to think about it. So, and I was already doing that for a few people. And then I was working with kids in recovery. And I was like, oh gosh, I cannot. I just barely have time to brush my hair right now. I, can- <laughs> I cannot. So I hung up the phone. And in five seconds, I thought, that's really what I want to do. I don't want to do this other stuff. I just want to feed athletes. Like, can I just do that? And I was probably two miles from our house, Nicole. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I'm going to feed athletes in Boulder. And then I started thinking, why is it, nobody's doing this? Why is no one feeding athletes in Boulder? Why is, and then I was like, surely Boulder's someone probably, is. And Boulder's probably got the highest per capita athlete population in the world. It does, <laughs> next to Mammoth, California. Oh, really? <laughs> I only know this because that's my business to know that. So... I was like, how is this not happening? So I got home, you know, two seconds later, and then I bust in the door, and I said, Morgan, I want to feed athletes. This is what I want to do. And, of course, at that time, um, and I want you to be my business partner and, of course, deliver it by bicycle. I don't know if you remember that piece. Oh, yeah, it was the bike For five seconds, we were going to do that, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I'm super you know, explosive in my ideas and passionate. And Morgan is so much more subdued and stoic and not a maniac. And <laughs> he said, oh, hmm, okay. I thought about it for a minute. And that's when I went and started washing dishes and came up with a rad name. And uh, so that's how it sort of evolved. But, you know, we had some crazy ideas here and there. But what it has kind of evolved into now is a little different than it was when it started. But that's the gist of it. So how is it different now? Uh, We are pulling away from individual meals. And uh, we're working more with like post-race food and clinics, athlete camps, 
Um, I just signed like five minutes before I walked in your door, I signed a contract to be put on retainer with a sports marketing agency that works with like some pretty elite brands. Awesome. Like, that's great. You know, if I can just do like three or four Mm -hmm. big events a month and actually have some downtime and recharge Mm -hmm. and train myself and rest, like and pay the bills that would be amazing i mean this truly is a recipe for success you are so you are an (laughs) athlete you know what it takes to fuel athletes um you are very in tune with the worlds they live in right Mm -hmm. but you're also an entrepreneur and you have the passion for the actual like cooking and meal preparation part so these three things don't always go hand in hand in hand right um so i guess one thought would be as you started your company you had this idea of how it was going to go and you're going to deliver on bike and you know the whole thing (laughs) and now it's been three years two almost three yeah almost three years and it has evolved substantially right so is what advice do you give to people who, you know, start something and think it's going to go a certain way? How how can they roll with the punches or, or, you know, identify the doors as they're opening and closing? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I'm sure that you see the same things. I love how you let things and allow things evolve and you change. You're, I, I love to watch skirt sports grow. Um you know, it's one of those, what you swear will happen won't, and what you're like, oh, that'll never happen, always does. Um, and then there's these things that you're like, well, son of a gun, where did that come from? I never thought. But here's the thing. Some people would look at that, and they wouldn't just say, son of a gun, that's surprising, and then have this ability to shift, mm-hmm. right? They would say, well, that's not right. I'm going to force it to happen, or... So how do you, how are you able to do that? I don't know. To flow (laughs) and roll and shift your mind because your business has taken this crazy cool path. I get excited about those things. I I see that. I'm like, that's where the growth is. I don't want to, I don't want to sit on these, let's say I'll use the individual meals as an example. Less than 1% of our business comes from it. It's not sustainable. I'm bored with it. Morgan will probably kill me for saying that, but it's it's not the exciting part or a sexy part of our business. Our, I see it from our clients, and why would I want to put so much fight into that when all this other cool stuff is clearly taking flight on its own? Yep, it's absolutely. Like, it's like your child, like... She might be into the princess thing right now. Who knows? Maybe she'll be turning. It might not be the path that you've chosen for her, but maybe she'll be this, the next Thai Babylonia on That's ice skates. True. <laughs> I mean, who knows? How cool. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of like I have to just trust it. So let's let's dig in a little bit then to this idea of being open because mm-hmm. I think that's sort of where you are in life. And maybe right. you've had to become that because of some of the experiences you had, you know? And one of your coping tools is running. So you have that, right? right? This is all important stuff. Um, with food, people, I want to understand a little more about 
that is such a weird world. It is. <laughs> Food is the most emotional thing that people deal with almost daily, especially women. Yeah. I don't know why. But we have the, this crazy weird relationship to food. And there's, I don't know, it's psychological. It's, um, we punish ourselves with food. We reward ourselves with food. True. It's the craziest thing. Yes. Yeah. Let's just talk a little bit about that. Okay. I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, this emotional grip, grip that food has on us? It's hard. You know, I... I struggle with, uh, that's one of the reasons that I just don't want to be in the quote unquote restaurant industry anymore because I see, and it'll sound so boulderific, but I see this, uh, you know, those people all in these third world countries that just don't have anything. And they're literally starving. And then we've got, you know, we're going out to dinner and we're spending $400 for dinner. And it, there's just this huge imbalance. And I, it, there's, there's a, I have some guilt with that. And then I work with, again, I work with kids in recovery. And uh, so there's you know, there's this big group with, you know, recovering from eating disorders and I myself am recovering bulimic. Oh, wow. And it's been a long, long time. That's a whole other topic we I could know. dig in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a woman who has not had issues with food. I, I don't, gosh, it's, it's really difficult. Athletes, you know, there's a, we work with a lot of athletes who have opened up to us with that. So, you know, they're, with different issues that they have. Yeah, and we mm-hmm. do a pretty, the the individual athletes we work with, we do a, a pretty solid intake with them. So I might sit for a couple hours with them the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, the first time we sit mm-hmm. and meet with them. So there's a lot of trust there. You know, they trust that if they don't want this in their food, that I'm listening to them. I'm not going to put that in their food. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, Can I ask a question? Of so I know you sponsor some athletes. We do. Cat yeah. Bradley is one of them. Yeah, I'm going to see her today. Which is super cool because um, actually, everyone listening, get on uh, Facebook on the Run This World podcast group or on my Facebook page or on Skirt Sports Facebook page. And I think you shared this as well, but we have a giveaway going on. Yes. So you can actually get your hands on some rad food, rad granola, by the way, right? That's right. And we're going in with Frosted, another really cool women's brand that makes freaking like exercise frosting to fuel you. (laughs) Um, So and skirt sports, of course, because you got to look cute eating. (laughs) Right. Eating your frosting. But, you know, you sponsor athletes. And how else do you work with athletes? Are they they become clients or are you this is the individual meal preparation that you're talking about? Uh, Yeah. So today we will deliver to um, Kat Bradley, uh, Ryan Lassen, who's also Kat's boyfriend, uh, and then Timothy Olson, and we'll bring food for actually Timothy's uh, whole family today. Um, so 
And these are all ultra runners, by the way. They are. And we'll bring them food. I'm not, I would normally bring food to Claire Gallagher as well today, but she's on the road. So we support them by bringing them food while they're at home and training. Um, I might bring them food so they can put it in a cooler and then they will take that food on the road so they're not like, you know, forced to eat McDonald's or something disgusting on the road. Uh, sorry, McDonald's. Uh, yeah, Wilder doesn't, <laughs> my kid doesn't even know what McDonald's is. Good. So. Yeah. Um, and then in, again, in October, yeah, in October, Kat and I will fly to New Jersey to do um, an event with Solomon together. We're going to do Ragnar event together. Cool. Um, so we do kind of oh and then this week we have an event tim olson's having a mindfulness retreat this week so we feed tim's mindfulness retreats you have to check that out yeah we've got lots going on with them but um food wise could like the average athlete contact you and be like hey how do how do we get on this program because i really want to take the brain power out of this absolutely um before i met you today i dropped off uh, with a cyclist in town who i've not met before and she just sent me a message and said hey i have this much money i need to order food what can i get from you this week so um and she just moved here a couple weeks ago so she doesn't really know the area and she has like dust bunnies in her refrigerator so perfect (laughs) yeah so that was nice to meet her and just kind of welcome her to the area um, so we talk a little bit here about women in sports, and you mentioned a couple of women that you're sponsoring and some mm-hmm. other people. Uh, you are very passionate about helping women find an equal playing ground. Right. I know this about you because <laughs> Skirt Sports hosted an event at Skirt Sports not too long ago that was about gender equality in ultra mountain and trail running. Yes. And it was a really cool panel with a lot of big players right now in the sport. And you had more questions than anyone. You were a very uh, loud advocate for making sure that women get what we deserve what's next in that arena for you oh i left your meeting and literally started a business within like 20 minutes (laughs) what business what is this um so i yeah hopefully i wasn't too much of a pain in the butt that night um i have uh i was really fired up that night um in, in a good way, in a forward-moving way. Um, I get frustrated when I feel like there's something that, like, gosh, we need to do something about this, but we're just talking. We're just talking, talking, talking. And I'm like, I, like, I would rather knock the door down than just stand there and knock at it, if that makes any sense and I think it's great to discuss I you know I absolutely because that's how everything starts and if we're always just agreeing on things we're probably not going to have forward movement not that I want to sit and disagree all the time but um that makes a lot of sense I mean we I think we're getting that about your personality you know, you, once you decide an issue is important, you want to make it, you want to make change. Yeah. In the world. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And, you know, I'm not, I'm probably never going to have the deepest pockets. I'm never going to have the hugest contacts, but I can guarantee you if I want it to happen, it's more than likely going to happen. So what's this, so. <laughs> what's this business called and what do you do? Um, it, the LLC is called Brightcraft. And when I left that night, I contacted another gal who was at the group who uh, also asked a couple questions. She's a local runner in town and also happens to be part of the Rocky Mountain Runners and a contract lawyer. And her name is Julia German. And we are going to meet Wednesday, actually, um, just to chat a little bit more about how to move forward. We're still kind of in the midst of race season, so we're infant stages with this. But um, I can see some forward movement uh, this winter with it. So basically the the deal is this. Um, I wanted to provide a resource for people to, not an agency per se, but once a year when everyone's contracts come up and they're like, I don't, how do I ask for this? How can I get more? I want these athletes to have a place to go to, like, safely open their contracts and be like, hey, how can I talk to my sponsors and say, I don't like this, or I don't want to, how can I not get my contract frozen when I'm pregnant? How can I get more money? Can you mm-hmm. like, can you help me contact, can you be there on the phone with me when I call my sponsors and say, I want more, or this isn't good enough? Or, As sort of a consultant, a support network, yes, uh, giving them knowledge so that they can go in armed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I apologize that I'm really stumbling on this right now. It's really, again, infant stages, but I'm trying to get a team of people together that want to do this. It's not, My guess is it will be nonprofit, whether it's legit 501c3 or not. I'm not sure at this point. Okay. We will not be charging a fee. They don't make any money anyway, so I don't want to be the person that's like, oh, we'll take 3% off the top when they're only making 20 grand from whatever. Right. I think that's ridiculous, uh, and I don't want to do that. So it, it will, in the end, be, let's say, Wilder comes in when she is this you know amazing whatever one day because she will be and she says hey these are the contracts I've been offered can you help me go through them let's pick the ones that I'm interested in can you help me go through these these are the things and then maybe she doesn't know what to look for yet maybe our team of uh contract lawyers looks at them and says this isn't good and this is why it's not good this is what we want you to look for wilder this is what we want you to look for in the future because in the future i want wilder to be able to find her own voice and do this on her own and not have to come to us yeah i want her to be able to say this is what this is bullshit yeah i want this and i want to be able to get it and i also just yesterday decided Someone said to me, well, will it be only for women? And at first I thought, yes, but part of the problem is being excluding people. And I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's okay. And I think that a big problem with this is that. So I don't want to exclude people. So I think, you know, 
and speaking to other athletes and the issue has really been for younger athletes when they're first getting into the sport and not knowing what to ask for and they're just being so excited that they say yes and sign on the dotted line so maybe that's where this will go maybe it's anyone who just really feels like a fish out of water with a contract and they just need help and they just need resources and they need a team of people they trust yeah i think it's really cool and you're uh, gonna fill a gap for a a fragmented population that doesn't have the resources they're not making enough for an agent to do the deal but yet they are runners and athletes and they don't have time as smart as they may be to do all the research and due diligence so i think it's awesome right all right we're gonna we're gonna keep our eyes open for bright craft thank you all right we we are this is a good long interview today baby (laughs) we're gonna do a little speed round before our final question um it's going to be a food round because okay. we didn't get a, we didn't get a ton of food <laughs> out of you today. So, what is the most important thing we should put in our bodies every day? Water. Bam. Does it need to be purified or? I don't think so. I mean, unless you're living next to a coal mine, probably not. All right. Good to know. <laughs> uh, what culture of food? You know, what sort of segment are you most drawn to? Uh, right now, I would say Vietnamese. Ooh. Yeah. Is that pho? Oh, I love pho. So good. Is pho Vietnamese? I love it. Yeah, mm, me too. Um, What's your favorite restaurant? In Boulder, Oak. And in anywhere? Anywhere, La Bernadette. Where's that? Eric Repair in in New York City. Woo! So good. Wow. (laughs) Um, What ingredient is the most underplayed right now? Salt. Oh, really? Salt, salt, Do you have to salt, get Himalayan salt. sea salt? No. Or what? Just use that blue box of kosher salt. It's like $2. Uh, what do you eat on long runs? Uh, like a turkey sandwich. Yeah. So is there a trend <laughs> back to real food now on, in, in I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope so. I, my biggest reason for that is, I mean, that's... I don't like to see people training with this and then racing with that. Mm, like, yeah. That's why your body's freaking out. Totally. I get it. Um, What is your most hated food? (laughs) Do not put that in your mouth or you will throw it right back up. Hated food. Oh, she likes a lot of foods. Oh, gefilte fish. (laughs) What is it? It's the only thing I really just can't do. Gefilte fish. Is that that gel stuff? That's yeah, in there? it's icky. Can't Gross. do it. Everything that, else I'm down with. But does that is that like sardines and, and anchovies too? Or no, just I that? love sardines and anchovies. Oh. So Especially if they're like, like real fresh. It's like fish and gel yeah, in a it's tin. Icky. Gross. Yeah. Okay, I, I would agree <laughs> with you. What is your most beautiful favorite food? Mmm most a cheeseburger really if that will be my last yeah i mean i have eaten in the most amazing restaurants in the world but yeah medium rare cheeseburger bacon yeah at oak oh at oak no Uh, would it be that (laughs) yeah then you combined it all mean yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and uh what's your specialty uh cassoulet Ooh. Yeah, that's very good. What is cassoulet? It is a uh, French um, braised casserole, I guess, if you wanted to get right down to it. But it's an old peasant dish. Very good. Ooh. Yeah, good stuff. Yummy. I'll make okay. it for you one day again when you're eating. Are you doing meat? 
Well, I'm doing veganing. Okay. How long is that going to be? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's just going on. It's ongoing. Okay. Um, but I'm sure you have some vegan versions. Maybe not. Oh, sure. You I'll can, whip you up You something. can braise some veggies. And okay. Them in there. Um, so so here's the deal. We have, we've run over our time by quite a, a bit. But this hours, was, yeah. This was amazing. I mean, Thank truly, you. really cool, Kelly. Thank you. So here's our last question. Okay. That we... We ask of everybody who comes on the show. And that is, if you could give our listeners one final piece of advice, one nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Mm, just just do it. Do whatever it is, just do it. And you don't even work for Nike. No, I don't. No, I just read the book Swish. I'm really sort of anti-Nike right now. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, just whatever it is you you need you want to do, like just don't hold back, just do it. Get out of your own way. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on today and making this happen. Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What an awesome, intense, emotional episode. I can't thank Kelly enough for allowing us to go there in quotes today. Um, The point of this podcast is to bring forth topics that are sometimes difficult in the hopes that they may help others work through their own tough times, find inspiration, find motivation, make changes. I'm sure that you were able to see how Kelly persevered in the face of hardship. I mean, she summed it up best by saying, I would rather knock the door down than stand there and knock at it. And while this mindset may have aggravated her situation to some extent, it also allowed her to find the strength to make hard decisions and move her life in a different direction. It's all about perspective. All right, everyone. That's it for today. Please be sure to check out Kelly's business, Rad Real Athlete Diets, Rad Boulder is the uh, URL. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And definitely go to the Skirt Sports Facebook page and enter to win Cat Bradley's favorite breakfast. The post was on July 8th and Cat will pick the winner on August 31st. And for more on Kelly Rad and to reach out to her, please go to nicoledeboom.com backslash podcast and check out the show notes for this episode. Um, as always, Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. All you have to do, it's really super easy, it seems hard until you do it once, you actually have to search. You have to hit search, even if you already follow the podcast, hit search and do it again. Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast. When that comes up, click on the reviews tab and then you'll see a write a review prompt. The more reviews I get, the more iTunes will help get this podcast out there. This is one of my favorite projects ever. I want to keep growing it so I can put more time and energy into it. I need to justify it, baby. All right, everyone. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.